Ripsimcha, here we go. Today's daf is daf Chav Gimel. We're nine lines from the bottom of Chav Beis Amud Beis. We're up to the words Ben Shana Shaul B'Molche. All right. So uh, I think Ripsimcha is just joining us, uh, logging on. I think we're all here. All right. Let's get going. Let's get cracking. Zog to Gemara Vaita. Ben Shana Shaul B'Molche. When Shalomach was a year old, when he became king, everybody have the place. Yeah. Any 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 help? Okay. So Amr of Huna, Huna says, What does it mean he was a year old when he became king? The same way a one-year-old has no Averis on their head, so too Sholem Melech was clean from all sin. There was no Avera that he did uh, prior to becoming king, which actually explains why HaKadosh Baruch Hu brought him such a hard downfall. Because as we've learned, the greater the person, the more HaKadosh Baruch Hu um, is uh, deals with them kichuta saira like the the hair of a horse, yeah, a hair's breadth, the smallest hair. So maskevla raba, maskevla of nachman yisrog. Nachman yisrog has a challenging question. How do you know? It means uh, that he didn't have any averus. Maybe it means kiben shana shamaluchach batitu b'tzayim. Maybe it was a one year old who, you know, has dirty diapers. All right, maybe that's what it means. That shol. Had uh, you know he had dirt, he had excrement. Now there's different ways to explain what this is. This could either be a mila or a chasar. Okay, it could be a pro or a con. Either it means that he was he already had dirt of sin on him, a little bit of a con, or you could explain that Rav Nachum Bar Yitzchok is is um, saying that there's actually another mila, another positive to Shol Hamelech, and that was that he would, he would humble himself, and he didn't, it didn't bother him the same way a kid what runs around with a dirty diaper. doesn't seem to bother them when they're a one-year-old in a dirty diaper. So to Shol HaMelech, didn't, uh, it didn't bother him when people walked all over him as we're going to uh, get into a fascinating sugya. The question is, according to that understanding, what does it mean, uh, why is it a challenging question? You know, if you say that that originally we thought he was a tzaddik, and it turns out that no, he didn't. Ha- you know, he wasn't such a great guy. Okay, now it makes sense why it's a maskif. If you learn that it's a positive thing, then you're gonna have to explain the challenging question to be oh, that it's not a matter of he was clean from sin. Rather, we should explain it that he was more of more of clean with humility. Okay, so those are going to be the two ways to to. Uh, Explain what Rav Nachman Bar Yislak was trying to challenge, and what happened was Achvi Rav Nachman to Yusuf There were malachim, angels that were shown to Rav Nachman in his dream after he said this about Shaul Hamelach. Omar Kish. He says, and he's basically he's asking for forgiveness from Shaul Hamelach. And then he again saw Malachim Omar Nenesi Lechem Atma Shol Ben Kish Melech Yisro. He says, I apologize to Shol Ben Kish, the king of Yisro. Why? Because either way, even if you explain it like a like a pro, he was talking about humility. He was challenging, and he says, Oh, who says that Shol, uh, you know, uh, was clean from Averis? I don't necessarily agree with that. Maybe it's just referring to his humility, and he had Averis. Okay, so either way, Rav Nachman Bar Yitzchak was being taught a message. Be very, very careful how you talk about Shaul HaMelech, despite the downfall that we find in Navi and the Avera, so to speak, that he did with Agag and Amalek. Got to be very, very careful. Um, you know, they bring down a fascinating story in the introduction to Igris Meisha Chelek Tes. Ches. 
I think it's Dr. Tachel Ches. Story brought down. We we spoke this out a, a few years ago, but fascinating story about Ramayusha when he was a rub in Luban, Russia. He's a young rub. I think he became rub when he was eighteen. And there was a fellow who was healthy, and um, they called Ramayusha to say the doctors came in. He he was dying from a lack of oxygen. He was having this random, uh, seemingly random. Uh, illness where his tongue started to explode enlarge and get much longer and the doctors couldn't figure out how to stop it so he was he was he couldn't get oxygen and they called in Ramesha because they they saw it was just getting worse he was still able to gasp for air and communicate a little bit but the doctors are like we don't know what's going on over here this guy's you know this guy's gonna go Anyway, Maisha goes in. The, this fellow motions everybody should leave the room, and he tells. This is the story goes. He tells Maisha that um, the earlier in the week um, he was having a discussion with somebody about the Sedra, the Parsha of the week, and they were talking about Lot's daughters. After Sodom, Lot was with his daughters, and they got him drunk, and they had relations with him. So this fellow tells Rav Maisha, I said to the I said to the person who I was talking to, I said, Feh, Feh, look at these women. They're having relations with their father. So he tells Rav Maisha that he had a dream after that. Two very modest women, two very tznius, modest women came to him in a dream. And they said to him, we're the daughters of Lot. And you should know that after Sodom was destroyed, we thought, this this story is going back to the 19 teens, okay? Not that long ago. They came to him in a dream. They said, you should know, we're the daughters of Lot. After Sodom was destroyed, we thought the entire world had been turned over and were the last people standing. In order to populate the world, we thought that we were supposed to have relations with our father. But because of that, we purposely named our children Amon and Moab, which represent that these children came from a father, so that there shouldn't, God forbid, ever be a religion that starts and says, and which says that our children came out of a virgin marriage. Everybody should know there's HaKadosh Baruch Hu, there's one God, and therefore, we purposely named our children these names so they should, everybody, the whole world should know these children have a father. We had relations with our father. But we didn't name our children that because we were proud of what we did. We thought it was a We thought this is what needed to be done. And the same way Adam and Chava were from the same exact body. And they were still allowed to marry each other. And the, the first brother and sisters were able to marry each other. We thought that's what we're supposed to do. And because you spoke Lashon Hara about us, you're going to die a very unique death that has to do with your tongue. That's the story. This fellow tells this to Ramesha. This fellow tells us to Ramesha. He passed away a few hours later. Died a few hours later. Fascinating. How careful we need to be. How careful, Mamish, how, how delicate and how careful we need to be when we talk about names and people that are mentioned in the Torah. Even seemingly not in a good way, but their greatness and the, the fact that we can't even fathom 
they're they're godless. You got to be very very delicate. You got to be very careful. And therefore, Rav Nachman Yisak said about about Sholam Melech. Oh, look, you know, uh, you know, it's not like he didn't have any averus. No, he had averus. That's what Rav Nachman Yisak says. And the Malachim came to him in a dream and said, "You better be careful." And therefore, he went ahead and asked Mechila. Why was the family of Shaul, why didn't they keep the kingship? Okay, we know after Shaul, it went over to David HaMelech. Why didn't it remain in the family of Shaul? Alright, now this is a very interesting question. Very interesting question. Because as we know, who has the kingship in Klal Yisrael? Yehuda. Yehuda. Shaul did not come from Sheba Yehuda. Okay? I believe he came from Sheba Ephraim. So Shaul is not going to have the permanent Malchus. That's for sure. So what the Gemara has to be asking is why didn't Shaul's kingdom last longer? It was very short-lived. But to ask why it wasn't permanent, that we know. So let's keep going. Says the Gemara, blow your mind. You ready? You know why Sholomel couldn't remain king? Because his yichus was perfect. He was too good to be true. The only people who are fit to lead a a tzibor is when there is a flaw in our lineage. Who was Avram Avinu's father? Terach. Terach, the Balavai Dezara. Right? Who does David HaMelech come from? David HaMelech was thought to be a mamzer, and ultimately, who does he come from? The Mayavim, Rus. He comes from Rus. Comes from, right? Comes from... uh, she was only Jewish because, because the drusha that was made. Why is it important that you have a leader of a congregation that's not too perfect? You know why? Because if this person gets a little too arrogant, will say, Yeah? Yichas is like a potato. The best part's in the ground. That's what we're going to say to the guy. Don't be so, yeah? In other words, there's... We all have chesreinus, and we need to be able to point out that there's chesreinus. And this is fascinating, because when you look at the royalty around the world, they're very makbed, they're very, very careful about their lineage. Perfection, we only have the, you know, there's no messing around over here. By Klai Yisrael, it's mamish, not the way it works. It's fascinating, it is. Shol HaMelech could not remain king because his lineage was too perfect. Okay, lineage is too perfect. Uh, for example, for example, they say over a I don't know if it's a Misa, a story or a parable. You have this guy who's, you know, he's some some Rosh Hashiva's son, grandson. Uh, he, he's running around town. Oh, what's your name? My name's this. Uh, whatever. No, this is my name. This is my name. This is my name. Oh, look, you know who my father is. You know who my grandfather is. You know who my great grandfather is. Great. But the, the guy had no substance. He's just running around telling everybody what a cool guy he is because of who his father was, who his grandfather was. Uh. So one time he's schmoozing with, with uh, uh, somebody who converted to Judaism. Yeah? A guy. And he's like, oh, you know who my father, you know, uh, 
you know, and this guy is sitting here trying to learn Torah, trying to learn Abishmadish, and this guy keeps being mevatel him. You know, he's busy talking about his lineage. So the guy looks at him and says, listen, Zizkite, I understand you have great yichus, but let me tell you something. Your yichus has ended with you. My yichus starts with me. <laughs> All right? It's not about, it's not about who was in the past. <laughs> what does yichus do for you unless you're, you know, unless you're perpetuating it? There's something, there's, you can't just live off the previous days. Okay. Om Ravita Maravita says the name of Rabbi Manana why was Shaul punished in such a strong way? Says Rashi that he completely lost the kingship. Listen to this beautiful Gabar. We're going to focus on this topic for a little bit. You know why Shaul Amelech? Another reason why uh, he was punished and ultimately did the Avera that he did and allowed with, with, uh, with Amalek. He forgave his honor. Uh, how is this person going to save us? And they didn't treat him like a king, and he was silent. came, and he laid siege to Yavesh Gilad, and that ultimately led to Shaul's downfall. Okay, you hear this? You hear this? It's fascinating. We're going to, let's expound on this soon. I want to expound on this soon. In the meantime, let's keep reading. says the name of Reb Shimon ben That doesn't take revenge or bear a grudge like a snake. You need to be able to stand up for yourself. You have to be, not for yourself, you have to be able to stand up for Tyre. Shol HaMelech needed to be able to stand up for his position. And he was mevater. Usually, as we're going to see in the Gemara, to forego is a beautiful midah. But you're not allowed to forego something that you stand for. Sholem Elach stood for the kingship. He, had, he was obligated to make sure that there was kavod given to the king, whether or not it was him. And a Talmud Chacham, a Rav, a Rebbe, whatever it is, is obligated to bear a grudge and take revenge for their position. Not for themselves, chas v'shalom. But for their position, which is fascinating. It says a, a, tzade, a tamad chacham has to take revenge like a snake. Why? What's a snake? It's beautiful. Everything that a snake eats tastes like dust. It doesn't enjoy anything. If you give a snake a piece of steak, or you give it dirt, it's going to taste the same to a snake. What the Gemara is telling us is, that a Talmud Chacham has to stand up for their the Torah that they represent, but you got to take revenge like a snake. Where you, you're not standing up because you enjoy this. I'm not doing this for my own covet. I'm not doing this because because I enjoy taking revenge. I'm going to get this person back. How could they do ever do that to me? No, that's being like a snake, where I need to stand up. Covet of uh, covet of the Malchus. I need to stand up for the covet attire. Not that there's any sort of enjoyment in that. I have a ksev, laisik, and How can you tell me that a Talmud Chacham should take revenge? It says in the Torah, it's, it's a transgression. Laisik, and laisita. You're not allowed to bear a grudge or take revenge. Great question. Answer the Gemara. That's dealing with financial matters. What's considered taking revenge? And what's the case of bearing a grudge? The Gemara is going to give us two examples. Nikima, this is revenge. 
Somebody says, lend me your shovel. Amar loy love. I say, I say, yeah, you know, can you lend me your shovel? And you say, no. V'machar, the next day, Amar loy, you say to me, who is Lenny Kardumech? You know, lend me, uh, lend me your, um, your cardum. Also another type of, uh, it's a hatchet. All right, another type of, uh, of, pl- of planting material. Amar loy, any mashocha, no. You don't lend to me, I don't lend to you. That's called revenge. Zui Nakima. Vezi Tira. What's called a grudge? Oh, this is better, yeah? This is what we call passive aggressive. Omar Loy, Ashlinikadumich, you say to somebody, no, lend me your shovel. Omar Loy, he says, no. He says, oh, lend me your shirt. Omar Loy, hey, of course I'll give you my shirt. You think I'm a lowlife like you? Yeah, you are a stingy dude, but I'll do it. So Zuhi Natira. Yeah, we gave him the shirt, but guess what? We're still bear a grudge. A person's not supposed to keep a grudge against them. So that's the difference between Nikima and and uh, Natira. Okay, so the Gemara asks the question. Why are you telling me that a Tamakhakam should take revenge against what they stand for? Like a snake. It says in the you're not allowed to the answer is you're not allowed to, you're not allowed to take revenge finan- with uh, with in financial matters, with objects and things. It says the Gemara but just with hurt feelings, it's okay. It's okay. The tzara degufalai. There's no problem with taking revenge against somebody and 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 causing them tzar. But time we learned the brayso and I love him, vein of him. Beautiful Gemara. Never forget this. A person who is a victim and does not respond and turn into the bully, which very often we try to do, when we're put down, our natural knee-jerk reaction is, oh yeah. Well, what about you, low life, right? What about you? We change, we, we, once we're a victim, we knee-jerk into, oh yeah? Well, I'm going to tell you as well. How do we know that I love my love, a person who who's, uh, suffers embarrassment but doesn't respond? Here's their disgrace. And doesn't give it back. Allah, uh, and a person who serves Hashem with love, and even when they have tsaras, they remain happy and they're connected to the Rabbi Nishlaylam. Baruch loves them more than the shining sun. So you see that a person should never even take revenge. A person should never even respond to hurt. Answer the Gemara, La'ilam nukit Okay? Um, you're right. You know what it means? The, the Tamar Chacham himself should not forget it, keep it in mind, but allow other people to stand up for his cover. I have all my Rav, but Rav says, Anybody who's Mavra Amidais, anybody who foregoes their hurt, you're completely forgiven, which, by the way, is the best way. If you ever want to know how to prepare for a Shana and Yom Kippur, the best way to do tshuva is to work on this midah. Okay? To be just be mevater to others. Because there's so many times where we, where we do wrong to Hashem. And Hashem just deals with us tit for tat. So if we forgive others, even when they're not worthy of it, because Baruch Hu will forgive us, even if we're not worthy of it. Answer the Gemara, the Mephais, um, we're dealing with a person who, who uh, came to ask for forgiveness, and... Then you uh, then you should forgive the person. However, if the person never is interested in making shalom, 
then if a person is a Talmud Chacham, you're allowed to keep this, uh, this hurt in mind because, again, this was somebody who hurt the position, who hurt the position of standing up for the Taira. Now there's a, uh, in general, just to, just to uh, focus on this, um, you know, in general, Stamaza, even psychologically, it's never a good idea um, to personally uh, bear a grudge or take revenge. It's never a good idea because um, I once heard from a psychologist, um, I forget his name right now, I forgot his name, um, but he says uh, a story where there was a woman whose husband hurt her tremendously and um, did, did terrible things, did terrible things. And she was coming to this therapist. I think his last name was Mullen. Mullen. Um, and after, at a certain point when he felt she was ready, he says to her, just forgive him. And she went like, what? Just forgive him? You know what he did to me? How can you say that? You know how... how to me? He's like, I'm not telling you to forgive him because he deserves it. I'm telling you to forgive him because he does not deserve to live in your brain rent-free. That was his response. Very often when we're hurt, so we're sitting there, we're cooking, we're cooking, we're cooking. The other person who we're so upset about is sitting on the beach, like they're not even thinking about us, right? So what are we doing? We're hurting ourselves. He says, I'm not telling you, he doesn't deserve to be forgiven. But sometimes you can't allow to let... It's just not kedai. It's not even worth it to let people who we're upset at to live in our brain without paying rent. At least make them pay rent. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're taking up, uh, you're taking up some chosh uh, of a space over there. You know? So, uh, you know, in general, stamazai, it's important to keep this in mind, this, this midah, just to be able to function properly. Okay, two dots, period. Here we go. We're going to have to cover... Uh, we have to move a little, <laughs> a little faster over here. Says the Gemara Vaiter, we said when they did the counting of the Kahanim, they were, able, they were allowed to stick out one or two fingers. Once we said that they could put out two fingers, why do you got to tell me you could put out one finger? One's talking about a healthy Kayan, and one's talking about a sick Kayan. Okay, what's talking about a sick Kayan? So we can imagine the Kayans, uh, sometimes people get elderly, also sometimes. People have Parkinson's and there's different diseases which becomes very hard to only be able to hold out a certain number of fingers or make sure that a second finger doesn't go out. So, um, so uh, therefore, you know, sometimes it was one, sometimes it was two, Vahatanya, and I'll prove it to you from a Brisa. Usually Vahatanya is a question over here. It's Benichusa, it's a statement. You're allowed to put out one finger, not two, but Medvar, Murim, Bavaria. A healthy coin should take out one finger. A chilek is stick out two fingers. And a yachid is allowed to stick out two fingers. Okay? Now Rashi says, this is talking about kaihanim that usually didn't mix with, uh, with other people. Okay? So um, nobody's going to make a mistake that what the, the issue is going to be between one and two that we might think it's different people. So if the guy's kind of, you know, if they're socially distancing, as we say, in today's uh, in today's vocabulary, so nobody's going to make that mistake. But even if they stick out two fingers, um, we're only going to count it as one finger. Okay, he's he's welcome to stick out two. 
because it's not going to lead to any mistakes. But really, we're counting the amount of kaihanim more than we're actually counting the fingers. The reason why they're sticking out the fingers is because, again, you're not allowed to count heads, but you're allowed to count fingers. Says the Gemara of Ein Mayim Achas, why would we count every finger as one? Bahatani, we learned to the Brisa, you're not allowed to stick out Lishlish, you're not allowed to stick out your third finger. Okay, so the third finger for your five fingers, okay, the third finger is always the middle finger. We don't stick out the middle finger. or the thumb, because there are Ramayim. Um, and um, the one counting, listen to this. Since the thumb, usually your fingers can't get too far apart, the thumb could get further. Okay, so if I were to stick out uh, two fingers, the one counting, if they're counting fast, may think it's two different kaihanim because it's so far apart. And why would somebody do that? Because once the kayan announces his number, the, uh, the, um, you can have kaihanim that are good at math and will make it a, a quick calculation and realize if I stick out one more finger, it'll land up on me. So we want st- to stay away from the ramayim. The im haitzi shlish mayim but if a kayim puts out a uh, middle finger, we are minim. We are going to count it. Go delay minim. But a thumb we don't, because that's going to mess it up. But again, what do you see from here? We're counting additional fingers. And not only that, but he's going to get paddled. Yeah? If a, if a kayim puts out his thumb, he gets a shtickle patch. A little slap on the wrist over here. Uh, what do you, what do you, why, are you trying to, why are you trying to play games over here? Okay, so we have a question. The question is that you see the extra fingers do get counted. Answers the Gemara, my mainim lainami achas. What does it mean we counted? It means that he's not excluded from the counting, but he still only counts as one. Okay, says the Gemara that um, if a kain sticks out his thumb, he's going to get he's going to get a, a, a paddled. You get a patch. From the Kayan in charge of the Pekia. What is a Pekia? Omar Rav. Mar, uh, Omar Rav. Rav says, Madra. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, Omar Rav. Rav says, Madra. It's a, a Pekia is a Madra. Says the Gemara, that doesn't help me either. Because I don't know what a Madra is. My Madra. Omar Papa. Matrika Detaya. It is a whip that Arabs use for their horses. The Psik Reshe. That the, the Psik, the, um, it is... Uh, it is split, reshe at its head, at its tip. It's a type of uh, it's a type of whip that they would use. The Arabs would use to lead the horses, and it, it, had, it was split at the edge. And that's what the the kayan who had the pakia, who had this little patching thing, would uh, would hold on to. Okay, Amr Abaye says Mirei At first, I thought Hadatran this learned in the Mishnah that Ben Bevoi was in charge of the Pekia Amina Psulta. I thought it meant that he's in charge of the wicks of the Menaira. That the worn out pants of the Kahanim, and their belts, they would use that once it got worn out. It was made out of, right, it was, it was made out of material that was permitted to be used as wicks in the base of Mikdash. And we'd light that. Okay, they would tear it up and light it. But once I heard the price of like, that the pekia is not anything to do with wicks. Rather, there's a kain in charge of the pekia. Amina, my pekia, nagda. I figured out that a pekia must be this whip that was used to give the kahanim a literal slap on the wrist. Okay, period.
Here we go, Viter. Next part of the Mishnah. We're going to find a, be- a, a, a beautifully uncomfortable Gemara. Okay? And we're going to learn about the mistakes that we make with when it comes to being Avodim of HaKadosh Baruch So it says originally... Uh, and, and what, what happened once, there were two kahanim running up the ramp, and one of them broke his leg, right? Tanu Rabban and the rabbis learned so shui. Maisa b'shnei kahanim, stirva two kahanim, shayu shneim, shavin, they're both equal. V'ratzav ayil b'kevesh, they're running up the ramp. Kadom echem yam l'seich arba amashach haver, and one of them came within four amas of his friend, and now it was considered a tie. Not al sakim betokal ayboliboy. The kayin was so upset that he took a knife that he was holding, and he stabbed the other kayin in the heart. All right? Now, we're going to see in a minute, the second Kayan is not yet dead. And we're going to learn a very scary thing. Omar of Tzadik, Omar, while the Kayan is bleeding, Rav Tzadik got up in the Ulam, and he shouted, Achenu beis Yisrael shimu, aliyidin. Listen closely. It says, Ki When you have a cholol ba'adama, on the ground, the Yatsu Zikenacha Vishavtacha. Then we're talking about when you have somebody who dies in between two cities. So the 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 uh, Bezdin has to go out and do the Aglarufa. Anu al Misha Anu Aglarufa. We have somebody dying in the base. I mean, who's gonna bring the Aglarufa? Allah Iray Allah Zaris. Who's go, who's gonna be responsible? City of Yerushalayim, the pe- the people who are in the base of Mikdash. Go Columbia Bahi and everybody started started shaking and they started shaking and crying. And the father of this child who had run up the ramp. Now obviously the Kahanim only started doing the Avaida, right, when they uh, at an older age. So we're talking about a young man. We're referring to a young man. The father now shows up, and he saw his son convulsing on the floor. Omar And he said. This is everybody's atonement. My son is not yet dead, and the knife is not yet tummy. This is shocking. This is a father whose son's about to pass away. And what's he concerned about? The knife becoming tummy. So you'd think. You'd think that this father has his mind in the right place. Even at such a time, he's able to keep purity. Says the Gemara, uh-uh. The Lametre, you know what we learn from here? Something scary. At a time where somebody's dying, that's what you're thinking about? That this was an error when King Menashe... Had, there was so much murder going on in the Jewish people, that Yerushalayim was filled with, with blood from one end to the other. Okay? This is... Let me explain why this is so scary. The Yidin of that time were so desensitized to murder that a father can think about the tumah of a knife. It's a very scary thing. 
And there's a very important message over here as well. It's a very important message over here, which is that even when, I think it's very important for, for us Americans in the society that we live in, even when we stand up for something that is a righteous cause, there's a right way and a wrong way and priorities that need to be kept in mind. Okay? Racism, social justice, all these things are beautiful. Not beautiful to be done, but beautiful to keep on the forefront of our mind and to eradicate these bad things from our society. But when it's bound together with things that are not priorities and really should be kept on the side flames, um, what, you know, why is it that people who uh, are, are um, again, you know, the, the loudest, you know, I hate to say this, but um, I have to be very careful how I do this. You know, in Missouri, you can you can uh, choose to have license plates uh, with your, you know, you can write a word on your license plate. And you can also have certain style license plates. If you make a donation to stop the abuse or I'm against children's abuse, right? You pay $30, you get a special I'm against children's abuse license plate. And you could write on your... Uh, license plate uh, love okay what I find fascinating and I'm not against these types of license plate but there's very few people who I know who have these and interestingly I'm not I, I'm I'm sure most people are great two of the people who I know who have license plates like this I personally know of abuse that they've caused all right and they're the ones paying for stop, stop abuse. Because it's on their minds. It's messed up. It's messed up. It's, it's a tal de gazach. Not always the ones. You've got to be very, very careful. you got to be very, very, very. I'm sure people who, pay, who, uh, who do this are, are totally fine. And they're, they're altruistic and things are gavaldic. I just find it fascinating. It's very, very interesting that people who are pro-love, pro-against-the-next-war, pro-against-everything, is it always that they even get along with their parents? Do you love your sibling? If you want peace in the world, do you have peace in your family first? Or are you too busy making peace for the rest of the world that you can't get along with your own spouse, your own siblings, your own parents? And it's a very, very important thing that this Gemara here is teaching us. Very, very important. They cared more about Tumah, which is a worthy cause, but it's a chaval that they cared more about Tumah than they cared about murder. That was misplaced priorities. Says the Gemara. Says the Gemara. Hi, Maisekoid. Okay, so we have one story. Listen to this. Remember, the story of our Mishnah is one Kayan broke his leg. Another story in our Mishnah was another Kayan stabbed another one in the heart. We didn't even focus on that. You're stabbing another Kayan in the heart because you want to do the Avaida on the Mizbeach? What are you, a nut? Right? So we have two mices. Hi, mice them, says Which story took place first? If you're going to say that the murder happened first, at first there was murder and they did nothing about it. So, 
So if they didn't start doing lotteries and raffles after the murder, all of a sudden somebody breaks their leg and they're going to make a takana? You hit a question, right? After this Kayan broke his leg, they, they switched over. They said, oh, we can't do this anymore. Now there has to be lotteries. Ask the Gemara, so how did the murder story happen? If it happened before the breaking of the leg, why wouldn't they have instituted the lottery then already? And if it happened after, how is it even possible they had a lottery? So how can you have two Kayhanim that are arriving at the same time? Ella says the Gemara rather, it must be that first there was one Kayan that pushed off another who broke his, broke his leg. The Kivan to the Kinu Payasa. And, uh, and, uh, uh, okay, so it must be that he broke his leg first. I asked the Gemara, the Kivan to Kinu Payasa, but once there's lotteries, so Arba Amas Maya Vintaya, what are they doing racing up the ramp? Ella, rather, it must be as follows. Listen to this. It must be the story of the murder happened first. Ah, you're going to ask, so after that story, which is so shocking, you ca- they didn't make lotteries? Says the Gemara, no. You know why? Originally, there was a story where one Kayan murdered another Kayan, and Nachachamim said, this is so nuts, you don't make decrees on, on far-out random situations. Okay? You know, if, if something is so extreme and absurd, you don't start making decrees about one wild, nutty story. Okay? At times, wild, nutty stories happen. That's not a cause to start, to start uh, changing everything around. But once they saw that, yeah, even regular Kahana were pushing each other off the ramp, so the Kinra Banam also. So they saw that, unfortunately, this religious extremism of caring more about the Avaida than we care about our friend is, is something that can, that, that's going to, you know, be, be uh, in addition to murder, is also people pushing each other off. They said, okay, now it's Taka a little more mainstream, and this is something that needs to be reckoned with. Also, a beautiful, a beautiful uh, message over here on how to know when it's worthwhile dealing with, you know, Dealing with something, handle, uh, handling something, um, so on and uh, so on and so forth. Uh, Rib Sam's asking, how did the Kahanim go to a city of of refuge? A city of refuge is when you kill unintentionally. Is the, I don't know if you are you asking on this particular case. In this particular case, he killed intentionally. He's going to be obligated in in uh, capital punishment. Um, so I'm not sure. Uh, I'm not sure it uh, it was uh, appropriate over here. Okay. If, if that was your question. Otherwise, uh, you can uh, I don't know, clarify with the question. Okay, here we go. What happened after, while this Kayan was, was convulsing on the ground? So, Reb Tzadik got up on the steps of the Ula. And he said, hey, listen here. Yeah, who's going to uh, who's going to um, bring the egla rufa? Ask the Gemara of Yishlai and Basasuya egla rufa. Why is there egla rufa? There's no you're inside city limits. There were ten things that are said about Yishlaim. and one thing said about Yishlaim. Top of Amud Beis. All right, I'm going to move along a little faster now because we're first getting to Amud Beis and we 
Uh, we're going to try to wrap this up in the next six, seven minutes. One of the things about Yerushalayim is that there's no Egla Rufa. Furthermore, by an Egla Rufa, it's only if you don't know who killed the guy. Over here, we know very well which Kayan uh, killed him. You're right, that of course there wasn't going to be an Egla Rufa, and of course we knew who it was. But he was, Reb Tzaddik was trying to bring out a point, okay, and, and to get people to start shaking and to get people to, uh, to start crying, okay? To let them know that, you know, if the Torah takes uh, a body outside of Yerushalayim, outside of the base of Mikdash so seriously, how much more so do we need to take this seriously? Okay. The father came and he saw his child about to die and he says, Oh, this child's going to be a kapara for all of us. My son's alive. We see that he was more concerned about Tuma and Tara than he was, than they were at that time about murder. Yivailu asked a question, searching for information. Shvichas Damim Hu Dizol. Was it that, that murder became uh, less serious to people? Avotaras Kedem Kedekaima Kaima. But purity was very important to them. Aidoma Shvichas Damim Kedekaima Kaima. Avotaras Kedem He Dechamir. Or maybe murder was also taken seriously, but Taras Kedem was like, oh, above and beyond important. Gemara says, let me explain to you what happened. Now, there was a real problem here. Tashma, come and listen. Since the Brisa says, the proof was that Menasha, there was so much blood, so much murder that was being spilled. You see that people, they, they just, they, they became desensitized to Shvichas Damim, became cheap to them. And the purity of the vessels remained. Okay. Tanu Rabbanon. The rabbis learned, and that's why they are rabbis. Let's get back into uh, the Avaida that was done in the Vesa Mikdash. We know there was the Truma Sadashan, the first scoop that was taken to the bottom of the Mizbeach. And then we had the Itzoa Sadashan, the, completely re- the complete removal of the rest of the ashes. Tanu Rabbanon, the rabbis learned, that's why the rabbis. He should remove his garments and put on other big day kahuna and then remove the ashes. So I thought, I would think that it's the same way that the Kain Gadol does it on Yom Kippur. He takes off his big day kodesh, his Yom Kippur garments, and puts on the regular garments to remove the ashes. Talmud Weimar, so says the Gemara, no, we learn out from the Pasuk, he takes off his garments, and puts on other garments, you see there's a similarity between the garments that are taken off, and the garments that are being put on, just like the garments that he, that he wore at the time of the, uh, the taking out of the ashes, was big day kahuna, was holy garments, so too, when it was actually done, when he actually removed the the, the same way the truma sadeshen, the the initial scoopful that was put on Bama's Bamas was done with big day kahuna. So too, the remaining ashes were also done with big day kahuna. Mk matam Why did say different ones? Uh, different seems to imply they weren't that, that they were standard clothing, not even holy ones. Says Gemara, no, they were holy, but pchusim mayhem that um, the the. Garments, the second garments were Pchusimehem. They were they were less. Okay, they were a little lower down in in uh, their glamour, but 
um, they were no lower in their Kedusha. They weren't as snazzy, they weren't as fancy, but they, you needed to wear a big day Kaidish. Belezer says, Acherim Vahaitzi. What does it mean? Acherim, other garments. It means Acherim Vahaitzi, other garments, and he takes out means. Acherim means not the garments. Other Kaihanim. Even a Kayin who had a Balmum was allowed to take part in the Avaida of the Haitzah Sadashan removing the ashes. So now we have a second uh, um, Avaida from Rebbe Liezer that a mummed, a blemished Kayin was allowed to get involved in. We know originally we said that they would prepare the wood, right? Make sure there was no worms in it. They stayed in that room. And now we're finding a second thing according to the pin of Rebbe Liezer. They were allowed to remove the ashes. Amar Mar, the Tana taught us, Achirim Chusumahim. Achira means that they were less. They were lesser garments. Okay, why does it mean less? If that same level of Kedusha, what do you mean less? Because they learned in Yeshiva Rabbi Shmuel, the Godim Shabishobam Kedera Larabai, a garment that a person uses to cook supper for his Rabbi, he shouldn't wear those same garments to be Maizeg Kais, to pour. At the um, to pour at the meal, it's kind of like you know, in the kitchen, you wear an apron, and then when you're serving, you take the apron off, and you, you are wearing a tux and a bow tie, right? There's there's different garments that are fit for different parts of the avaida, says the Gemara. says, about removing the ashes. There's also about and the separation. Of the ashes, um, Rabbi Echanan says no. Machlekes b'itzah, only machlekes b'itzah. Avol baharama, but separating the ashes, everybody agrees. Everybody agrees in avaida, and it needs to be kaidish. My time with Rish Lakish. Why does Rish Lakish say there's a machlekes in both places? What's his reasoning? Amar Lach, Rish Lakish is going to say to you. If you think that the removing of the ashes is the avaida. You're ever going to find an Avaida that, that uh, he's going to wear it with less garments? No. Of course you're going to wear uh, the, the full-fledged garments, and there's no way that you're going to wear lesser, only two out, of the, uh, two out of the four garments. They all need to be worn. So that's going to be the background for Reish Lakish's opinion. Rabbi Echan, what's Rabbi Echan going to say? Gali Rachmana The Torah tells us about the ksinus, the, the hat, and the mechasayim, the pants, and really you're also wearing all four, the hat and the belt as well. Why are the, uh, why are the other garments, why would they be any different, the hat and the belt? Because it says his, his uh, linen uh, uh, hat, okay? So this means it has to be mamish, uh, fit him perfectly. What does it mean that you need Pants that are linen. The chidetanya for the for the to teach us the following halacha. How do you know that the first thing is the kayin has to put on his mechnasayim? Shenamar umechnasevad yobash al besari. There's not allowed to be any uh, any long you know you're not, not not allowed to wear any long pants underneath the pants. The the mechnasayim themselves need to be directly on the kohen skin. Very shlakish. How does Reish Lakish know these halachas if he's learning these psukim for other things? Midai kimidasai. Midai means his measurement. I agree with that. That has to fit him perfectly. Then I know from the words, al-bisari. Okay, so the bottom line is, 
that we have a machloikas between Reish Lakish and Rabbi Yechanan as to um, as to whether the the haramas desha and the separating of the ashes is considered a direct part of the avoda. Says the Gemara, Leima um, Kitanoi. I'm trying to think whether we should hold it here. I think we should. Tomorrow we have a little bit of a, uh, a shorter daf. So uh, Bez Hashem will um, will pick up from here. What the Gemara is going to be doing from here on forth, we just explained there's Machlekes between Reish Lakish and Rabbi Yechanan as to whether the separation of the ashes is considered part of the Avaidah. And we're going to show that perhaps this Machlekes has already been argued upon by other Tanam. And we're going to get involved in that Machlekes, Be'ezras Hashem, tomorrow. We'll hold it here for this evening. Have a wonderful, wonderful night.